Welcome to On The Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon. I'm your host and your guide. And as I tell you, for every one of these podcasts, my job is to get you off the brink. I want you to soar. And to do that, sometimes you're going to have to change. And as you know, I used to preach that if you want to change, have a crisis or create one. I never expected this crisis, but I do know that we are very busy with people coming in saying, I have to change. Can you lend a hand? How do I change? I've had a great business. I've had a great life, a great career. I'm a professional, uh, but it's not working quite well anymore. And I'm having a huge turnover of all of my staff. What do I do? And so the questions are coming. The question is, can I help them using our podcast to provide you with great ideas? So I have Jim Kornhausen, Cornell Nelson today. And Jim has become a wonderful friend of ours as he brings all of his expertise and ideas to us so that we can better understand a different perspective on how we can all change. A little anthropology, but a lot of business experience. So let me tell you about Jim. Jim is a broad-based career with 20 years in line management and sales development, and then 20 years of professional service selling. He's a senior advisor at Artemis Partnership, and he helps company leaders and sales teams win proposals, relationships, alliances. Now, he brings his perspective and his expertise to you so that you don't have to work so hard. Sometimes it's better to learn together and collaborate. He also does personal work in helping CEOs and leadership teams get everything they want out of their business. And sometimes things that they didn't notice were there at all. And he's a professional facilitator with EOS. Are you familiar with EOS, my, my audience out there? If you're not and you're an entrepreneur, might be a good time to pay attention and listen to what EOS can do to help structure. I work with one client who just loves EOS, provides exactly the framework to allow her to grow her business in a very professional and process-driven way. So he's chair for Chief Executive Network, working with peer-to-peer -peer CEO groups in a facilitation and coaching role. Actually, Jim is far more than all of these things. I'm going to let him tell you his story, because as you know, it's in our story that we come alive. It also legitimizes what he's going to tell you about how he can help you do things better, see the world through a fresh lens, and begin to help it all thrive. So, Jim, thank you for joining me. Hey, it's delightful to be here. And uh, I think both you and I share a passion about entrepreneurial energy. I mean, there just is a huge amount going on. Uh, and uh, I ironically, 50% uh, of that effort is now led by female leaders. That's right. Well, but it's a very difficult time even for women. Uh, 12 million companies are run and owned by women today, but 10 million of them are solopreneurs. And half of those aren't making $10,000 a year. They're side hustles. So it's telling us something about the word entrepreneur, about what's a business, how it can create enterprise. So tell the audience about your own personal career. You're both in the, in the large companies as well as an entrepreneur yourself. Please. Well, I in the large companies, GE, then McGraw-Hill, then CBS, I largely had product development, market development roles. So I was an intrapreneur in <laughs> larger companies. Uh, in McGraw-Hill, I lived in Mexico, Spain, and Canada. We were building small companies in each of those places. Uh, at CBS, uh, I was head of international sales, but also wound up on a project that became a joint venture that became Prodigy. So in all <laughs> areas, there was something entrepreneurial going on, even though it was a large corporate setting. 
So I had the opportunity to become CEO of a Hispanic company in New York and in essence sat in your seat. <laughs> struggling to make this company go. We had people issues. We had inventory issues. We had silos with people doing their own things. So I sort of lived that painful journey. We finally got things right, and we sold the company for three times revenues. Had the Spaniards stuck around, they would have made a lot of money because <laughs> you know the Hispanic market is 33% of the U.S., and uh, this company itself is now part of Univision. So in, 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 that sort of led to the consulting piece of the career where I was a partner and director at Hydrogen Struggles, and we were asking companies primarily to focus on the future, to focus on what leadership needs will be five years from now, not those that were needed five years before. Yep. It led to a lot of work we did with private equity companies, finding C-suite and CEO leaders for these entrepreneurial internet companies. And I got absolutely fascinated with what we'll call, with quotes, the entrepreneurial role, the entrepreneurial challenges of being a leader. I also got very involved with the issues of uh, female leadership. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, John Gersma, uh, you know, is one of my good friends, now CEO of, of Harris. Uh, and, uh, you know, he did some landmark research we can talk about another time, but uh, it's fascinating. So uh, this sort of led to a concentration of working with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial companies, trying to help them either, as you said, create a framework for growth or to help them navigate their way to get the obstacles to growth out of their way. Now, as you were doing this, it sounds like you had a bit of an aha moment about the role you love to play in the companies you love to work with. And, you know, can you share that a little bit? Because you bring a particular perspective that enables people to hear and listen to what you're saying and then to do it. Because some consultants and coaches are really smart, but they don't get folks to actually do and move the needle. And me in the consulting industry myself, it's very hard to get people to hear what you're saying and know what it means. What did you learn? Well, this is this is an interesting uh, topic because, uh, you, you know, many people say, oh, I'm having people process or profit issues, you know, and it sort of feels fuzzy and it's undefined and it gives them a headache and keeps them awake at night. What we find is that most entrepreneurs uh, are, are frustrated when they feel stuck. They just are not quite sure of the way forward. And what's interesting is that Dr. Larry Greiner and a number of others at MIT did research showing growth is not like that hockey stick that sort of goes straight up. It goes in spurts. You hit a ceiling. You have yes. a ghost route. You hit another ceiling. So the trick is to learn to break through these ceilings. So there are a number of, I'd say, four or five sort of basic principles that we try and talk about with leaders. The easiest or the most difficult is simplify. Where are we going and how are we going to get there? Uh, it's interesting, but you will relate to this statistic. 40% of people don't know exactly how they're going to get there. 40% cannot explain what the business performance is. And worse yet, 40% can't quite link their role to what the business goals are. No. So what a difficult process to jump into uh, as a CEO or leader. leader. 
Uh, the other thing we help people try and do is to learn to get delegate. Very tough, particularly for women. Uh, you know, if you delegate and elevate, you wind up in that upper quadrant box doing what you're good at and what you love to do. If you don't, you're buried in the lower quadrant box doing lots of stuff that's yes. weighing you down and you can't relate to. Uh, the third thing, of course, is predicting something that you are famous for uh, to get better at creating the big picture rather than being buried in the day to day uh, 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 checklist. So, you know, we create a rhythm that sort of is quarterly, 90 days and another 90 days and another 90 days to come up for air and look at what have we gotten done and what do we have to do? It's about the right cycle. If it's a year or three years or five years, it gets mm -hmm. too long because you're not you're not acting. Then, of course, we try and systemize. Uh, I mean, the issue, of course, is to write down core processes so you can always be doing them properly. You can always be doing your best and you can always be doing them in a way you connect. But as you know, many people are very scattered. They deal with different clients differently. They deal with their internal people differently and they don't really uh write down what the process is for how they relate to customers, for how they relate to production, for how they get their financial work done. And then the last thing, of course, is structure. To move away from decisions that are all emotionally driven by personalities in smaller companies and, and driven by whatever may be the latest flat fad. And of course, these defined roles and the connection are what are critical to, to sort of structuring the business and getting, yeah. column says, the right people in the right seat. You know, having lived with a serial entrepreneur for many years, many, many years now, um, both of us are well aware of the things that you're talking about because small, the, the joy of being an entrepreneur is usually you have a platform on which to take your purpose and your passions and begin to develop them into a business. And you assemble people who at the time are affordable and embrace it, but not necessarily process-driven, not necessarily know how they're all together to the vision of where you're going. And, and it's really interesting to watch as you grow to your platform, 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 how do you reach that point where it's time to change the people there, change the story? Remember, we live our daily stories. So this approach is extremely built on stories and begin to give them a new story about the next phase and where we're going there. And, and I can only tell you, having lived with it, it is um, a wonderful experiment in human transformation because some entrepreneurs find that they can't go to the next level. They really are perfectly happy being here. I used to think it's like pulling out into the center lane and getting stuck. You know, you got it going. You moved over and it never gets to the fast track. It's always stuck here <laughs> in fashion. But it's as you and, and I and I asked you, how do you get them to hear you? Because for our work, I am we the simple cells, because nobody really knows what the words mean when we say, you know, we're going to be more collaborative. We're working with a multi-healthcare, multi-hospital healthcare system, and they want to go from command and control to collaboration. But the folks are looking at me as if to say, what does that mean? How do I, in fact, do that? Will I know if it's the right thing to do? I'm waiting for someone to tell me because I grew up in a command and control culture. And now they want me to do something I'm unfamiliar with. 
it's a really interesting and challenging time because so much is being asked of folks. What have you found? Well, one of my favorite current books is by Richard Boyatzis, who's a Case Western Reserve. He was one of the early research team that worked with Dan Goldman on emotional intelligence. Yes. And his new book is called Helping People Change. And he has a real real values-based approach. And I found, particularly with the female leaders that I work with, that starting with a core values approach really defines who you are and whom you want to attract, more importantly. So there's an exercise here that you as a corporate anthropologist will appreciate. Ask everyone on the leadership team to pick three people who would make this company absolutely unstoppable, going from unstuck to unstoppable, getting out there and really winning all the business. And then as you think of these three people, write down the characteristics the behaviors that they, in fact, exhibit in the company. You may wind up with a list that's 30 or 40 characteristics. The goal for the leadership team is to sort of discover these values together and get the list down to three to seven. Then when you're hiring or when you're doing a people review, you can take those five values, let's say, with three other things we call get it, want it, and has the capacity to do it. Uh And you rate plus or minus or plus minus, and you establish some kinds of bar. You say for those eight things, if five of them are plus and three of them are plus minus, we don't want any minuses. It's a great way to galvanize the fact that someone is leading by and someone is telling stories about not only to their employees, but to their customers. Yes, that is very interesting. So if I heard you correctly, the exercise is to take three people who you'd like to be on your team and what are the values or behaviors that they exhibit that are so important to the success of what is being done by the organization or by your own department in some fashion. And for those of you who find this a little cloudy to think about, Dan, uh, uh, Dr. Boyatzis has a piece in his book that actually gives you the checklist to help evaluate what these values are. The the other thing I think that really relates to right people in the right seat is, uh, you know, sort of getting this gets it, wants it, has the capacity to do it. You know, capacity can be trained, but the getting it and wanting it has really got to be internal. It's part of their story and what their story will become. And your goal, of course, as a growth company leader is to make your story part of their story. Yep. So it becomes an interesting uh, dialogue. And the recommendation, of course, is work with the leadership team because as goes the leadership team, even if it's four people, so goes the rest of the company. But once a quarter, have an all hands, all meeting discussion to say, here's where we are and here's where we're going. You know, we used to do these as strategy councils, and I found that the model was excellent for the morning to be a reflection on what we said we were going to do and how well we've done it. And the afternoons were really good times for us to dig into challenges or opportunities that were coming. But what was most important was getting the team together. And the socializing, and maybe not easy now, um, was that these folks were all, once, once they decided where they were going, they all went off to go do it. But unless you came back once a quarter, you didn't know who was doing what, where, 
Uh, communication always fell short. It didn't matter how hard you try to make it work because you don't have time to know what's going on. So you hope the ship is going in one direction, not five or 10, and that it's all moving in, in the same fashion. But this is important. When you talk about all of this capacity and hiring the right people, I'll tell you a story about the diversity dilemma. I'll call it the diversity dilemma. People now want to build a diverse, equitable, and inclusive mm, team. And so I was listening in to some CEOs bemoaning the fact that it took them three months to hire a woman who was a woman of color. And they brought her into their organization. This was in the Midwest. And she only lasted three weeks, three months, not three weeks, three months. And they were angry that she didn't stay. It took them so long to hire somebody who they thought was so good. And why didn't she stay? And somebody else said, well, we just don't understand the culture they come from. And we don't understand what they're looking for. And this is who we are. Don't they get it? And I said, this is so interesting, as if the new hire was the problem in helping you provide a diverse workplace for that new hire, as opposed to really understanding how to uh, change the whole culture. You know, you wanted to talk a little bit about corporate anthropology. Culture is a recurring theme here, because if you're going to build diversity, with the right people and the right jobs, you're going to have to rethink what that means. How does that person behave? What do they say? How do you include them in the conversation? How will you make them feel like they belong? Very powerful questions for today, because if we're going to build a really talented, diverse, inclusive workforce, um, we're going to have to really rethink that culture in which they're moving and take a look, just take a look at who's around. Are they all white guys and you're trying to make them all diverse? Um, and then I'll tell you another story in a moment. Your thoughts. The health of the leadership team is so critical and their ability to work together, particularly in these companies that are being fueled by Gen X, Gen G, Gen Z, millennials, et cetera. And the mandate is for all of us is to be open, honest, and a bit vulnerable. Yes. And it's easy to say, but it's really hard to do, particularly to a board or particularly to an older yes. senior leadership team member, where you may be the first person getting the customer viewpoint. You may be someone who is seeing what goes on silo to silo. You may be the person who, in fact, is noticing some of the behaviors that are putting the brakes on growth. But to get somebody to articulate that to a superior or even to a colleague is very tough. Talk about vulnerability. <laughs> the issue of open, honest, and vulnerable, and, and really to the point of rating each other as we sit around the table. And now, a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled, or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey, Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled, and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead. 
and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books. And you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves, very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. I have a wonderful woman I met not long ago who is the president of a large insurance uh, company. And she was she and I were talking about the times sort of changing um, because I remember going to board meetings where there are 49 men and none in me. So it was not a very it wasn't a good place to make terrible statements. But she was telling me about being the coat girl. And I said, what does that mean? She said, well, it didn't matter what meeting I was going to. People, the guys would hand me the coat to hang up. And she said, so here I am in Lloyd's of London, insurance person, and I have a big deal to negotiate with them. I walk in and my colleagues there and they don't know who I am. So they give me the coats to hang up. And then he brings me around to the front of the table, introduces me as the, the person who's coming with this big deal to discuss. And of course, they um, on the one hand, they felt embarrassed. On the other hand, she said it happened all the time. She was going to be a speaker at an event. And she she came in early and, and nobody knew who she was. So they gave her the coats to hang up. And so it's an interesting transformation going on in our society that I hope can happen sooner than later so that my granddaughters can find a better place where they are really embraced. To your point, they, they, they're capable, they care, and can they place the culture in which they're going understand how to make it work together. So I bet you have some experiences too. Well, I think, uh, and, and this particularly, I think, relates to new members of the team. Hopefully if they're female. Yes. Uh, and that is the ability to begin to create a picture that's three years out, begin to visualize that picture and what it might look one year out. And while this is not rigorous 300-page, 400-page, quote, strategic planning, as you said, visualizing this, having everybody be able to visualize this, we would like to be a company that looks like. We would like to be a company that, in the mirror, looks like our customer. We would like to be a company who, in fact, exhibits these open, honest values all the time. And it's hard to do because, as you said, it requires painting the picture and you only can paint the picture through personal stories. No. One of the guys said to me, there's some great research that said most of us do not live in a diverse uh, out of work life. We live in a pretty comfortable place where we're all very much the same. We go to people and gravitate to people, whether it's in our community, our church, our golf um, place, whatever it is, with people who look like us and sound like us. So where do we get trained on being among diverse people? And I thought it was a very astute observation about how we're trying to do something in the workplace that doesn't reflect the 
non-workplace society as a whole. And nobody has a lot of skills on any of the sides here, whether it's guys and gals or, you know, white folks or people of color to figure out how do we do this? We don't learn simply by coming to work at nine and even remotely. So there's some really important stuff for you and a little for me to really work on, isn't there? Well, I think, uh, you know, the management phase, of course, is what doesn't get paid doesn't get done or what doesn't get noticed doesn't get done. And and I think in this area, having these measurables, these accountabilities, Mm -hmm. really critical. So one of the issues, of course, in, in terms of saying this is how my role relates to the overall company goal is a way of taking it from just a flag-waving kind of initiative to making it mission critical. Yeah. It could involve people. It could involve to-dos. It could involve these measurables that, in fact, are driving the business forward. You know, many people say, well, let's just look at revenue and profits. And in point of fact, the, the structured accountability chart says, no, 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 structure first, people second. Let's look at those roles, those functions in the company that are truly driving the business. Yep. As you know, in many cases, particularly with these tech-driven companies, it's not the frontline sales guy. It's not the production engineer. It's somebody else. But to have them be able to relate what they're doing to a measurable that, in fact, gets reported on and can be related to this, quote, soft stuff, or it can be related to hard numbers. You know, it's um, and these are interesting times. Can you talk a little bit about um, EOS uh, so that our listeners know why that can be such a valuable methodology for entrepreneurs? Well, I think it's very interesting because those of us who sort of stumbled on EOS after trying to do it ourselves said, yes, this is perfect. (laughs) Nothing new, no latest Harvard Business School magic bullets or silver silver pills. Uh, Number two, simple stuff that's been around, uh, exercises and tools that have been around for 100 years and will probably be around more. And number three, simple, gets it done. So I think the beauty is that it's a framework. It is a way of thinking. It is some tools that can be put on top of whatever you're doing, whatever business you're in, and whatever size you are. Now, at its most impactful, sort of two to $20 million getting out of the blocks, and then 20 to 200 million, where you're really establishing the momentum of the business. And essentially, what EOS does is creates this vision traction organizer. On the vision side, vision, people, data, sort of exposes what's going in the business, but then getting better at knocking issues off the plate. How do we get better at really dealing with these issues rather than just pushing them down until the next meeting? And then process, documenting process to do it the best way every time. And then traction, ironically, at the bottom of the pyramid related to the others, because the adage that you live with all the time is, if you don't have traction, a vision becomes hallucination. <laughs> well, we've always said that. It's a great picture of what you want the company done, but then there's terrible execution. Yep. But in fact, the, 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 the sort of model to give someone a view of where they might get at the end of the journey is just six or seven components. 
But if you as a leadership team can move from the 30 or 40% level of execution, where most companies are, in fact, succeeding despite themselves, up to the 80% or 90% level of execution, you'll feel like you're flying. So it's very interesting because it is both a guide uh, because of these tools that can be mastered, uh, but it also is, I think, a very strong cultural element, as you said, for attracting the kind of people that you really want to work with. Well, we've learned a long time ago that humans like structure. Adults like structure. They like games with the rules. And if you think of life as a, a big performance or a game, um, without the rules, um, people don't know what to do. Do I swing? Do I not swing? You know, did I score? Or did I not score? So it offers people a methodology that's well, well structured and gives them processes to achieve the results they'd like to get without making it feel as if they aren't creators or innovators or all those things that they valued as an entrepreneur. So it has enormous value. And many entrepreneurs have never had any life inside a large corporation. So there was no training ground, right? Right. And if you if you talk to a lot of your Vistage friends, you know, what's interesting is that, <coughs> uh, you know, having something that really is only three sessions to implement, you can spend a year or two getting better at the execution on a quarterly basis. But, but, but having something that can be easily understood and translated very quickly into actionable results. I mean, you literally can feel the results in 60 to 90 days. Uh, becomes very powerful for the team because they feel like there is, to use the word, traction, that yep. they are beginning to hit, hit the ground. And I think what's interesting in today's environment with all the new technology tools and artificial intelligence tools and so on, uh, the fact that you don't have to throw anything out and replace it, the fact that you don't have a large three to six month training for a new system that everyone has to learn the language for, it, that you don't need a technical expert to do something that has been you know, sort of a menial task in the company. So I think what's what's important is to use a framework. Yeah. You know, their statement is a company can only run on one operating system. It's if it's running on five, you're in trouble, as you said. You have too many people. Yep, we're in two directions. But it's it's interesting because it is um, very, once you grab it, you can't do without it. It becomes the way you see the world, which is exactly what it's supposed to be, a view of the world that gives structure in order to a very powerful business model so everybody can get aligned with it and make the progress they need. And they also have that do they monthly or quarterly reviews of them, of EOS? Quarterly. Quarterly. Yeah, yeah. Rhythm, there's a rhythm, this 90 day rhythm of quarterly reviews to come up for air and say, where have we been? What do we get done? And, and what's next? I know it's real important. So, Jim, <laughs> it's been absolutely wonderful. I, I'm glad we've had our time. I feel like we've been in each other's living rooms and just enjoying the conversation. A couple of things you don't want our listeners to forget. Well, I think there are three things. Uh, the first is. Uh, doing the soft stuff is hard, uh, but having a framework to do the soft stuff uh, is really important. I think the second thing is that uh, if a leader can establish a personal presence, I find this particularly with female leaders, 
that, uh, you know, the presence is yours personally, but people, because of your value system or the value system you want to attract, uh, find it a huge magnet and really want to work there. And with the current talent shortage, it is, it is a, a huge hook. And I think the third thing is sort of practicing this adage that we've been talking about on this call of being open, honest, and a bit vulnerable. Yes. Because as Boyatza says, leadership doesn't happen unless you have a follower. To have leadership resonance, you have to have someone who's actually going back with you, back and forth with you, and contributing. So I think that's what we want to do up and down the line of these companies, whether they're 20-person companies or 200-person companies or 500-person companies. It's very interesting. I, I teach two leadership academies, and uh, one of the sections in there that's important are followers, to your point. Um, we spent a huge amount of money developing leadership programs, none on followership. Right. And so we sort of hope that you'll know what kind of followers you have and you'll know how to mobilize them and get them to do what has to be done. But we've got it all backwards because unless you can begin to develop the folks who are going to be part of this collaborative team or whatever you want it to be, um, the, the followers watch and the leader, you know, runs around trying to get stuff done. And to your sense of delegating in some fashion, the follower has to know they're accountable and responsible and that the whole thing doesn't happen unless they have a role to play. So followership, I'm finding a fascinating part of the Leadership Academy. And I haven't quite asked them to change it to Leadership and Followership Academy. But in some ways, every leader is a follower. You know, even the CEO has to be a follower to the board. And we're all accountable to someone. Exactly right. And I think the the issue that it just runs parallel with that is the fact that <laughs> uh, you know, larger corporations, as you know, used to take care of you. And they, that sort of shifted and people felt the corporate contact track was broken. Well, in these smaller companies, people are working with you at will. Yes. And contractually at will. So in point of fact, you want this compelling, I think, sense of mission, vision and values to be yes. really palpable uh, to be a great leader. If your purpose isn't uh, one that is compelling and attractive to others and they don't get it, and you don't talk to them a lot, you know, I, I say you have to keep telling them the same story over and over or they'll make one up because they're perfectly happy making one up. And they're the hero in that made up story. You're not. And they're doing it really well just by them. And you're not. So it's a whole nice, wonderful thing about humans. Anyway, it's been such a pleasure. Uh, Jim, um, if people would like to reach you, what can they do to do that? Well, uh, we we can in fact uh, connect by email, but uh, you know the simple cell phone number is nine one seven nine one three four two eight two. The not so simple email address is Jim Cornelsen, C O R N E H L S E N, a Danish name at Artemis Partnership A R T E M I S Partnership dot us. Well. So, uh, one one of those ways uh, I would love to engage in conversation and what I do typically with leadership teams is have a discovery session of an hour or two just to talk about the current state of the company and how they're feeling. Yep. 
Well, I couldn't agree more. Uh, one of the things that we do in our podcast, so we put them into a blog with all of this information. So whether you're watching it or you are uh, listening to it uh, or reading about it, there's certainly enough places where we can help you find Jim uh, Cornelson if that's something you'd like to do and we can help because we like to help. So thank you for all our audience, our listeners, our viewers, however you like to enjoy this. It's always my pleasure. So every Monday comes out something new, and I've got a whole lot of good ones coming out just for you. Folks like Jim who want to help you see, feel, and think in new ways so you can do it. Remember what we preach is if you see it, you believe it, and you act on it, things can happen. But if you don't act on it, nothing much is going to happen. So you can speak the speak. But now it's time to do what has to get done. And the times they are changing. Our books are all available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble and all your local booksellers. Please get a hold of one. Read either On the Brink or Rethink Smashing the Myths of Women in Business and tell us what you think. The reviews have been quite exciting. And quite frankly, I'm honored that people like it so much. It's so much fun. Well, and I can make a quick comment about Rethink. Uh, I dove into it sort of thinking it was the subtitle, but in point of fact, it is a wonderful story of leadership that succeeds. Yes. And uh, that, of course, is what we all are striving for. And these are all women who are doing it, and they say, of course we can. And everyone who says, oh, no, you can't, of course we can. So the times are ready for us. Anyway, info at andysimon.com is where you can reach me. And as you know, we're always ready to hear from you, and we'd love to get your notes. And how many folks have come to us through the emails that you've sent from across the globe? So enjoy the day. Stay well, stay healthy, and smile. Bye-bye now. It's exciting. Thank you. <laughs>